from the fabled fiery forges of the sundered land of Arklash comes Confocast. Join us as we battle on the front lines of a continent lost in darkness at the time of Ragnarok. For we are here not for silence or slumber. We are here for confrontation. So on the Confrocast today, I'm joined with uh, James. James, how are you going? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, mate, thank you very much again for coming on at such short notice. <laughs> uh, as I did get the times mixed up, mixed up again, I really apologise about that. But um, you're known as non-sequitur on the Confrontation Discord. That's right, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And um, and you were a part of the scenario that me and Paul played recently on the on the YouTube channel. Uh, and thank you for that. That was a really fun scenario to play. So if anybody has not seen it, go to the YouTube channel at Crown of Command and check out the battle report between the Midnor Dwarves and the Tino Boar. Um, yeah, that was a really cool cool um, uh, scenario to play. And I hope we can extend that in maybe like a three-part kind of thing in the future. Yeah, it was my pleasure to help writing it out. And um, that's awesome. I hope you guys keep playing. I'd love to see more. Yeah, actually, I think I was hoping that me and Paul could play a game this weekend. I was actually painting up some Midnor um, before we got on uh, on there to, together today because I was trying to get like 300 points painted up for this weekend. And if we had time, we could get a game in. But I don't know, see how we go. But, you know, I really want to play with my own Midnor this time. I, I've, I've got the models. I just haven't got enough painted to play like a 300-point game yet. But I'm really looking forward to playing them. So um, I've got my um, Hydras, and I think they're probably like my favourite models in the entire, like of all the models so far, I think I think they're probably my favourite. But I don't need to tell you that. You're a massive uh, Midnor fan yourself, aren't you, James? I sure am, yeah. Midnor is definitely my favourite faction. Um, I typically get into the crunch of games and... This this Midnor was the first time that the art style of a game ever demanded that I play it. I saw the uh, the Colony of Midnor, uh, the old Ephrath boxed set in a game store, and just had a moment of what is this, and I need to check it out. That's actually how I got into Confrontation. Fell in love with the miniatures. Right, and was it the first miniature game you've ever played? No, so I I uh, first got into miniature gaming with Warhammer Forty K. And so I was uh, a Warhammer 40k player. I started with Tyranids, moved into Dark Angels, Chaos, and then uh, ended with uh, Eldar. And that was my game until Confrontation. So I saw it in the store, and the art style reminded me of uh, the work of Brian Froud. He's a really popular fantasy artist, or if you've seen the Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, that mm -hmm. Jim Henson's kind of aesthetic blew me away, sucked me right in, and... Uh, I was instantly a convert and uh, Owen was all over the game. So yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. yeah we're, we're hoping Owen can join us uh, this, uh, this evening if he's, if it's possible um, or in his morning, I should say, but yeah, it'd be really great to have him on. Cause I know he's like just super, super, like he's one of the most passionate people about confrontation I've actually met so far. Yeah. Um, he's just nuts about it, but yeah, um, yeah, no, that's cool, mate. That's great. So you you sort of you sort of got in through second edition forty k. Is that right? Uh, third edition was my first oh, third edition. edition. Yeah. All oh, right. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, third edition was also my confrontation edition. I never played C2. Um, All right. I got in on C3, and then we played it for a couple of years, I think, before the 3.5 supplement dropped toward the end. Yeah. And what was what was it like, like you know, during that time, you know, during the sort of the height of confrontation in North America, like where a lot of stores like demoing it, where where there's sort of tournaments being played. What was the kind of the scene back in those days? Yeah, back in the back in the day when I was playing it, <clears throat> so the game was still, uh, you know, it was popular, it was live, everybody knew what it was. The consensus was really unanimous that nobody had the art style, the art direction, nobody had the quality of miniatures that they had. The the paint jobs that the staff were doing there was unparalleled. It was just a world apart from anything. You know, nobody had anything like what was going on with Confrontation 3, and everybody knew it was something special. Uh, it was being played in the game store. I kind of played with my own group of people. I actually didn't play it competitively very much. Owen got out to all the tournaments. I was just starting a new management job, and I didn't have vacation time to go to Gen Con or to go out of town for these other cons. So I missed out on that a little bit. Um, I did get to play competitively a few times, uh, but mostly Owen, who's um, also known as Bergenet online on the Discord, uh, he did most of the competitive playing for the two of us. So right. but it was great. Yeah. Cool. Okay, that's great. Yeah, um, yeah it would have been nice to being to actually have a scene because you know like yeah. when i got into confrontation there was nothing there was no scene you had to be in melbourne or sydney to be part of some kind of group social group of active players so it would have been great to have you know people collecting models painting talking about it you know getting into it learning the game and that kind of thing that'd be awesome mm -hmm. uh was midnor your sort of the first and only faction you've ever played no, I actually played uh, a few factions. Midnor was the first faction that I played. I kind of learned the game with them. Um, I also played Alchemists of Dirts. I played them competitively. And then I came back to Midnor, you know, after the game died. And um, I play Midnor now pretty much exclusively. Uh, certainly, Alchemists are a very tough faction, so... I don't generally break those out. Um, but between Owen and I, we've got a fairly large collection of, of factions, so... <clears throat> usually what I'll do is I'll pick up an army for a game or two, you know, take it out of the, take it off the shelf or borrow one of his. I'll play them for a game or two and then uh, go back to Midnor. Midnor is what I was returned to. And one of the questions I want to ask, like all the people who come on to Confrocast, and um, it's a pretty important one because, you know, you've got people coming in now who've maybe sort of seen it, in the past, like I've had like Stuart Thomas, one of the heavy metal painters, talking about confrontation, picking up the catalogue, looking through there, not knowing what he's looking at. He's, he's blown away by the visuals, like thinking, wow, mm -hmm. this this looks amazing, like the paint jobs, the miniatures are incredible, but not having further contact with it. But nowadays, as we're sort of, you know, um, trying to uh, give uh, give it a bit of a rebirth, so to speak, and uh, people are finding their collections. You f you find those people online all the time on Facebook yeah. saying, "Hey guys, what's this? What I, I've got? I just found this, or someone gave it to me." Um, so getting back into the game, like, what sort of advice would you give to people, you know, just starting out and wanting to play Confrontation? Well, if I had to give somebody advice for getting back into the game uh, or getting into it for the first time, it would be play it for the love of the game i mean it's a dead game right so that's kind of all there is at this point there's not really a competitive scene although people who love the game still compete um it would be embrace the rule system for what it is it's a little bit clunky compared to a lot of modern systems and because it was translated but 
I will say uh, it's just probably the best game engine I've seen, really. I love the activation system. I love the card sequencing. Uh, I love the way combat is separated from activations. You know, even in back and forth activation games, models will carry out their activation, deal their damage, and then they're kind of done. Mm -hmm. Confrontation brings an interplay, you know, between the models and the the players so that everybody's got stuff to do all the time that really makes the game breathe, in my opinion, in a way that most other games don't. So I would say, you know, um, love the system for what it is, recognize how different and special it is compared to other games and really get into it. Um, there's all kinds of fun, fun stuff. You know, the, there are balance issues. Of course, anybody who's familiar with the game system will tell you, but um, there's so much love and attention and fun that went into almost every profile and, you know, all of the spells and the artifacts and the miracles. It's such a great game. So I would say um, fall in love with it and enjoy it. Cool. Okay, so someone who's got some miniatures, and I get asked this sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, they don't know what point level to start at and, you know, how to construct an army. Could you give advice to people about that? Yeah, uh, I certainly would, of course, say to somebody who's new to the game, start with like 125 AP, work your way up to 400. Um, I think if you're new to the game or you want to avoid heavy crunch, maybe limit the number of models in the army, um, I personally believe that you you probably want more models from a competitive standpoint to minimize the effective chance on the game. But if you're looking to play enjoyable games that don't get bogged down or don't get to be you know too much cognitive load, just enjoy taking those 30 to 40 point minis that are cool, hard hitters. <clears throat> it will also keep your model count down. It'll keep the games quicker and it will keep things easier to manage. Probably don't start with miracles and spells right away. Play a few games where you're just doing combat and basic scenarios. You can use the scenarios in the back of the book, but I find those to be pretty simplistic. Even for a new person, mm -hmm. I would say maybe use scenarios from the GDR packet because they'll be much more interesting. I think Confrontation is this amazing rules engine, but if you're just fighting in the middle of the board, it can't really fly above other game systems the way I think it has the potential to. I think you want to get those scenarios and play interesting scenarios like you did for your battle report. Yes, that's, uh, that's, that's a really good shots. point. Yeah. yeah, I found that too. I found it just very lackluster in terms of actually, you know, what's the purpose, what's the motivation of what we're doing. Uh, I looked at, now, when you talk about GDR um, scenarios and that kind of thing, what mm -hmm. these kind of resources, where are they available now? Uh, you know, I found the GDR packet um, just with a Google search. Uh, that was uh, over a year ago. Community can certainly hook you up. Uh, you can go to confrontationpills.com to get profiles. You might be able to find the GDR packets there, but certainly anybody who wants to can go to the Confrontation Discord. If you put out that you're looking for it, I'm sure the veterans will line up to to put that into your hands. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Confrontation Pills, I think, is a really good resource as well. So there are yeah online, online sites, websites, where they're sort of, uh, got a lot of the files stored on there and a lot of the cards. Uh, cards are a big issue, but, of course, with the app with um, uh, Confrontation Club, uh, that's sort of taking the or alleviating a lot of those problems with the cards in terms of, you know, making lists and that kind of thing. Do you guys actively use the app as well? Um, you know, I don't, but that's only because I've played the game for 20 years. Um, I kind of know most of the game backward and forward. I don't really need the app. 
Um, what I typically will do though, is I will go to confrontation pills and use those images to print cards and then slip them into pouches with, um, with regular cards of one kind or another as a backing to have a physical activation stack. I do think that the app is good. I think most, you know, 99% of the community should use the app as a springboard so that they can build lists quickly and easily. Um, the app is certainly not perfect, but I think it's a great tool for fast list building. I mean, you can put together a list in five minutes with that thing. So it's it's easy to use. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, and beautiful to look at. Definitely. I, I play a lot with it. I've played a lot around with it, actually, just in my free time. If I'm waiting in a queue or if I'm I, today I had to wait, you know, in a government building somewhere mm -hmm. to for, do some stuff there and that kind of thing. So I was just happily just, you know, going through and making lists or checking profiles or, you know, doing that kind of thing. I really enjoy the aspect of that app for that kind of thing because I don't have the cards. And the cards are a big thing because, you know, not only, you know, for the actual activations, but for spells and artifacts and that kind mm -hmm. of thing, knowing what can, you know, which profile can use what. So the app sort of, um, you know, takes a lot of those problems away from you in giving a very streamlined, you know, down run, run of the line kind of way of saying, okay, well, this is your, you know, orc spell user and these are the miracles or he, these are the spells that he can use and that kind of thing. And you sort of just add them to your list and, you know, away you go. So I found that, um, a, you know, a really, really interesting and uh, a very useful um, app to use when playing the game. Yeah, I think that's actually a phenomenal point. That's one of the best things about that app is that it gives you everything that's available to that character. If the game had been made 20 years later, of course, the app would have come out with the game. So, Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it's great. For sure. It's great that way. Do you see a future for Confrontation at all? Uh, you know, possibly. It just depends on what's going on with Continuum. I know that a lot of us are waiting to see how that shakes out. Um, we're we're ho we're chomping at the bit. I know I am for the rules to be released so that we can start checking them out and start playing using those models. Um, there are some great new models coming out for that game, but I think in the absence of something like Continuum, um, the game can certainly persist. It can even grow, but I don't think it's going to grow in the way that a living game will grow. Right until we have an official game that's out there and being marketed. So I think. Continuum is probably going to be the commercial future of the game as far as rebuilding the community. Uh, until then, we've we do have really enthusiastic veterans who are you know going to gaming conventions. Um, Sweet has his annual tournament, and he is a super enthusiastic person who is absolutely invested in re, you know building a grassroots kind of community wherever he might be. So, I think that's all awesome stuff. Yeah, I have to get Josh back on because he just ran his annual sort of event didn't he so i'd like to get some feedback on that at some point catch up with him to talk about that um but um if you would like i was going to ask you about the different kinds of um you know variations of confrontation that are now because it's all very split split up in different groups you've got legacy you've got evo and you have you know just regular 3.0 3.5 which particular system do you prefer to play Personally, I like 3.5. Um, I have not read the rules for Evo or Confide. Um, I did learn Legacy because I went to the CWI event in 2021. Uh, Owen and I have always preferred 3.5. The the and it's not because we don't like anybody or you know don't care for their systems. It's because with the game officially being dead, it's kind of like everybody needs to 
if you're going to come together, right, with people who aren't your normal play partners, then you need to play the game a certain way. And you need to agree on what that's going to be. So that was the last official way the game was played. That's the way everybody played the game. So that's the way we've continued to do it. And uh, that's my personal take on it. But I would certainly welcome anybody to play Confrontation in any way that they would like. Yep, I'm sort of in that boat as well. Like, you know, I think me and Paul, as we're the only two people playing yeah. uh, in Japan, <laughs> so uh-huh. we're like, um, okay, well, what do you want to do? Because we're sort of, you know, we're sort of um, trying to find our way around what's the best way to play confrontation. Is it 3.0 straight, 3.5? Yeah, I'm not too sure. You know, maybe one of these other variants I, th- I was even looking at uh, version two of it as well because someone sent uh-huh. me a, a pdf of that translate someone had translated it um the second edition rules which looks interesting mm-hmm. too just for the whole incarnation aspect of, of confrontation which really interests me a lot where mm-hmm. the, the heroes can grow and they have their own story and you know you have those um travel packs and journey packs and that kind of thing for them uh, mm-hmm. that that side of confrontation interests me a lot mm-hmm. but i think at, at its heart, you know, just in the big black book, you know, 3.0, it's still a really, really good game in there as well. And uh, I think if I didn't have to change anything, and I'd actually prefer it if there was, there was nothing, nothing else, like it was just 3.0 and that was it, you know, and everyone just played 3.0. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's 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 a bit too far beyond that now. Yeah. But it, it is exciting to see, you know, what are these sort of grassroots type projects coming up now with um, Continuum, of course. And uh, that's very hopeful. Um, so, mate, just talk us through Midnor because I know it's your beloved faction and I'm sure. sort of getting into it. And uh, what would you say would be your optimal 300-point list or 400-point AP list? Sure. So I made a, a list for CWI last year that I think is probably about the best build I have for Midnor. It's uh, Kelzeril who is a, a zealot, which is a second level uh, faithful for Midnor. Um, he relies on a, a complement of five scourge bearers for generally getting the grunt work done. Um, he has a war staff in that particular build. It's the Azahir colony, which gives him leadership so that he can have a war staff. A couple of halberdiers, two sentinels, and two prowlers. And I'll break that down for you. The list is about 15 models to start. Uh, Kelzerol does Iratenebri summoning, which is even when I got into the game back in third edition, everybody knew about that. It's uh, you summon essentially two shadow monsters around total of five max. So the army has the capability to go up to 25 models. And then with Azahir, it gives him leadership, but also the benefit of every time you kill 50 AP of your opponent's army, you put another model out on the table that's representing people that you've stolen away and butchered and turned into your own kind. So it's oh, basically wow. very big on medium to low quality troops high numbers it's got a couple of scouts in the sentinels which are higher than normal movement kind of middling stats um but they're not too expensive and prowlers are your heaviest hitters at 31 points each they're speed 15 so Mm. the sentinels and the prowlers bring the mobility that the faction needs scourge bearers have one of the most efficient stat lines in the faction with an eight strength and an effective seven resilience because they're five with hard-boiled um, so you've got kind of a medium toughness all around. You've got large numbers. You've got good discipline. You can replace losses with summoning and with getting in new models as you kill your opponent's army. 
Uh, it's really good for attrition and it's actually very good for objectives as well because you have the numbers to go do stuff with cheap models. Um, your army can't really get crippled by losing any single model. It's the best build that I was able to come up with for the faction. Overall, I would just caution anybody who's going to get into the faction. It's not a good faction. It's got a lot of issues from a mechanical standpoint, but I do love the models. And that particular build, I think, is pretty strong. Yeah, mate, that sounds really good. Uh, yeah, the Scourge Bearers, I love those models. I mean, oh, the yeah. models are incredible. Yeah, oh, I just love them. Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, something about those particular miniatures. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's just like those and the Hydra, the, 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 um, the Cyclops as well. Um, there's something just, yeah, that, um, I don't know, they were so different too. I think the Mid as well from anything else I've ever seen in fantasy. You know, they were cause, yeah, yeah, they were sort of these, you know, just the design of them were just so far out and so different from anything else out there at that time. And yeah, the color for me, schemes and everything too. Yeah, for me, one of the things that I fell in love with was they had this charm to them that you don't see with most models. Um, when they have these things called canopic dolls, which are supposed to hold the souls of the actual dwarves that you know have been taken. One of the things that was mind-blowing for me as I got into the faction was to find out that the dwarves aren't actually dwarves there whatever climbed inside them that's kind of wearing them like skins while the souls of the dwarves are supposed to be imprisoned in those little dolls that they keep around on them. So just visually incredible. They've got this, you know, unique visual aesthetic that ties in with their fluff. Um, they're so characterful. And yeah, you have these iconic models like the Cyclops, which is just an unbelievable sculpt. Even 20 years later, it's incredible. Mm. Uh, you have the Demon Tower. You've got the chest-themed pieces from the Ephrath Colony box set. There's nothing not to love about the dwarves from an aesthetic standpoint uh, and from a fluff standpoint. Their lore is great. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I think for painting, I think you've got to love painting stitches because you'll be painting a lot of stitches. Yes. Or yeah. use some kind of contrast paint or express Vallejo paint or something like that in those guys because, yeah, there's a lot of details in those models, but I've really enjoyed painting them uh, more than any other model from Confrontation so far. Oh, so great. it's been really good. It's a hobby project. Yeah, I've been loving yeah. it. Um, and um, mate, uh, are you a painter as well? You, you you sort of do you sort of do that? You sort of get involved in that aspect of the hobby? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I am fortunate enough to have several friends who are all very strong painters. They're even a little stronger than I am. But uh, I do paint pretty well. I put over a hundred hours of painting into the army that I took to CWI last year. So. I definitely get into that part of the hobby quite a bit. One of the things I like about the dwarves actually is my hands aren't particularly steady. Mm. So because they have their big heads, their faces are easy for me to get good detail onto and they're just kind of bursting with character. So even if I'm not the best painter, they look great when they're done. Um, the proportions in the, their proportions are good for getting detail onto and the sculpts are pretty clean, so the stitches pop nicely. So it's easy to get your brush onto that raised surface and get a good clean stitch, generally speaking. Indeed. Yeah. Um, no, they're a really, really cool faction. And um, I think also one of their other strengths in terms of the actual miniatures is that they're really chunky. Mm -hmm. uh, I've recently got um, some uh, some Griffin models that I've been putting together, some of the Conscript guys. I mean, they're like super thin. They're like wafer yes. thin, right? And yep. like drilling holes in their in their wrists and that kind of thing to put on the swords and the shields. And then yeah, their I'm, feet. I'm not into pinning. So one of the really <clears throat> nice things about Midnor is you don't have to do that. 
that's one of the great things about because they're all one piece uh, and generally one piece models. And that's one of the things I really liked about the earlier models, actually, because I looked at some of the other Griffin models that I had like way back in the day during first and second edition, and they're like mm -hmm. super chunky. They were like Games Workshop models equivalent in that sort of scale and size, and but they're all one piece. And, you know, they were, they, even the metal they used for them were a lot more, a lot the tensile strength is a lot stronger. And I don't know why, maybe because of the, the details they wanted to capture on a lot of the other models later, but they got thinner and thinner and smaller and smaller, and the, the, the metal got softer, so if anybody's try, trying to getting back into confrontation, just be aware of that. Um, yeah, when you start trying to trying to pin things and that kind of thing, it's not like modern metal models. You know, they're very fragile. And um, yeah, and the and the things about I like about dwarves and goblins and the Midnor is that they're and I suppose for um, Wolven as well and Devourers is that they're super chunky. And you know you can put a drill into those into their legs and ankles and that kind of thing with any worry. So yeah. Um, any other advice you would have at all for somebody sort of just entering into confrontation at all, mate? Uh, for new players, let's see. You mean like general advice, right? Just general advice. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, the factions. The factions aren't balanced, but. That's not an issue unless you're taking the game kind of to a high level. Mm -hmm. I would say beware of uh, high cost. High cost models in casual games can be very powerful. I don't think that they're generally good enough when you're playing competitively. But if you're playing casualists and people don't know what's going on, high high point models can be wrecking balls. So um, just be careful about super high point stat lines swinging games all by themselves i think it's great that they can do that especially in casual games be ready for that um and i think one of the things that's actually kind of a bit of a culture shock for new players is always failing your roles on a one <laughs> i would encourage players not to get put off by that and not yeah. to let it throw them especially during a game don't get rattled by it you're just gonna fail one in every six rolls it's going to happen. It's probably going to feel like a lot more than that when it's happening to you. Just let it be. Keep playing the game. It doesn't make the game bad. There's nothing wrong with it. Happens because especially because it happens to all players, right? Everybody has the one in six chance of failing. Of course, yeah. make your peace with it. Don't sweat it. Keep playing. Have fun. I think it was that. I think it was that game I played actually with all the full st the dwarfs the uh, with the steam. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, you know, like with their boilers and that kind of thing. And every time yes. I rolled for the for steam, I rolled a one. And I it, I was jinxed that game. I don't know what it was, but the second yeah. roll I made for the for the incident chart was like a five or six. So I got lucky. I think I got mm -hmm. lucky with that one, in that nothing sort of exploded. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have days with it. You know, with the dice that is going to be against you, and that's just part of the game. But I like that. I like the fact that it is a one. You know, you fail, and then the six, you get to explode and roll again. I really like that sort of swingy part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, it means that you know, if the odds are really stacked against you, you've got that you've got that chance. If you roll that six, and you can roll again, and maybe get another six, and you know, it it it, it increases and 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 heightens that excitement. Mm -hmm. And then when you get when you think that oh, well, you're going to get crushed, and they roll a one, you think oh, thank goodness for that. They they failed, and you know, I've got a chance now of escaping this. You know. Uh, major catastrophe possibly that they could yeah. take my guy out. So yeah, I really like that aspect to the game. Actually, I don't find it at all a um, a, a downside to it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now, James, uh, just a quick, some quick fire questions, mate. Uh, yeah. What's your all time favorite model in the confrontation range? All time favorite model in the confrontation range? Probably the Demon Tower. Ah, um, oh, good choice. When the when the Eferath box set came out, I loved the castle. You know, mm -hmm. the rook yeah. uh, stat line was not good. Um, and I think the model was great and super charming, but I think that the sculptors probably always wanted to do something like the demon tower yeah. and settled for the castle, you know, probably due to economic constraints. But I loved that they came back and they were kind of like, we want to do this, but we want to do it huge. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, the model's just great. You go look at it. He's busting with character. He's basically a walking castle. He's got gunners on yeah. top, huge sword bigger than other models, a wonderful goggle-eyed face. Um, the model's just amazing, so that's probably my favorite model. Oh, and it's the, insanely good, yeah. Yeah. No, wonderful choice, man. I think it's on my shopping list now being a Midnor player. Uh, at some point, I'll have to pick that up from somewhere, from some person who's willing to sell it to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, no, that's that's definitely one of the um, the greatest models of that range for sure, apart from yeah. the Cyclops. I think they're, they're two of the biggest standouts for that that um, that group. Yeah, awesome. I think Midnor is just uh, – it's full of amazing models at every level. I think it's, as a faction, maybe one of the strongest aesthetically in the whole game, which is saying a lot. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think so hard, too. It's hard to pick, but I think that's the one for me. Man, I love the goblins too for that for that reason. The character oh, yeah. they've they've you know tried to encompass into a miniature. It's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's really not. Know. I think uh, particularly with dwarves of Midnor and goblins, yeah. it's so easy to have every model be memorable because they can also be a little bit goofy or or mm -hmm. weird or wacky. But uh, <clears throat> you know, I think. So they have an advantage there, but I think if you look at something like the Militia of Codwallen, some of my favorite sculpts also yeah. that are serious, that are kind of like men, and it really shows how you can just bring out the character even in things that aren't exotic, like Dwarves of Mendor or Goblins, right? But Absolutely. No, I think aesthetically, they're just incredibly good. Uh, and Cadwellen too. I mean, I was totally in, in, in um, you know, swept away with Cadwellen when I first saw the images of those models and the the scenery they made for it, the backdrops and everything. I was like, wow, this is just incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, I think most people felt that way when I think when they first saw Cadwellen and the miniatures range they had for that. That's brilliant. So, um, I, I take it your all time favorite faction is Midnor then. Well, yeah, I suppose it depends on what you mean. It's the favorite four, right? There's a lot of things to you, like about the different one you, factions. You, the, one, the one you couldn't do without, like if you had to, sit, had to get rid yeah. of all the other factions, which kept Midnor has, has stolen my heart. It's right. the one for me. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I like that yeah. idea. That's good. Yep. And now, do you have everything, or is it something you really wanted to get still uh, that you want to collect for confrontation? Well, I, I certainly don't have the entire range. Um, I feel like I have the stuff that I wanted most I have right now. I've got a uh, very solid collections for Midnor for goblins of Nodan Kar and, and Urukin and, uh, alchemists of dirts. So those are the ones I have. And then, you know, when I'm itching to play a different faction, Owen's got several of them. So between us, we have almost <laughs> all of the factions. I guess oh. if there were a faction I was going to want to collect, it would probably mm. be Codwell and next because it's so diverse, so interesting the the sculpts are incredible and that is a faction that has diversity of play style so i think you can really um have one faction and you can play a shooty list one week and you could play a tanky list another week and uh, a light hard-hitting fast list the next week right so i think that would be a great faction to collect 
And that's a good point too because I, I didn't realise that, um, and I haven't explored this yet at all, that they had different kind of houses or different kind of clans or they had like mm. a, a pack that you could buy. And like yeah. the dwarves had like a fortress pack, I think, and you had like six cards and you could play with a certain theme of a list. Mm -hmm. And Cadwell and I know that um, Splitting the Fray, that's Owen's channel on YouTube. Yeah. I'll leave a link in the in the show notes for this episode to check that out. But he plays a different variant uh, or a different um, uh, you know, guilds for Cadwell. Guild. That's yeah. it. That's the one. That's the word I'm looking for. The different guilds and that kind of thing, which is really interesting. So you can bring, I think he was playing with some. Um, uh, Acheron models or something like that as well. Uh, yeah, the Court of Ashes is the guild that allows you to right. incorporate Acheron models. Yeah. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, so I really like that aspect to it too. So that's something I'd, I'd like to explore at some point and see what that's all about. Uh, yeah, I think Matt, the Court of Ashes is very strong. It's good. Yeah, no, it yeah. looks really good. I, I still haven't actually made my way through that video. It's it's quite a it's quite a uh, compact. There's a, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of rules in there that I need to try to absorb as i watch it but I'm, i i hope to get through that that um that gameplay at, at some point but i do enjoy um you and owen's games because it's um yeah it brings you know again i'm learning a lot of the rules by watching you guys play which is a really really great uh, thing so that's awesome now the big final question mate have you ever played ragnarok oh no no i've never <laughs> never had the inclination well, the quest continues then, James. I'll have to yeah. find someone. I'm sure someone will say, yes, I played Ragnarok back in the day, yeah. but who knows? Well, James, I'd like to thank you again for your time to come on today at such short notice, and it's um, been a great pleasure talking to you, mate. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, pleasure all my mate, and thank you again. I hope to get you and Owen on at some point, uh, maybe to go through, uh, maybe to go through some of these uh, different kinds of houses or guilds or uh, factions or whatever, uh, or talk about um, your preferred list builds or talk about splitting the fray on YouTube channel and that kind of thing at some point in the future. So thanks again. You're very welcome. Take care. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. Let us leave the languid land of Arklash for but the shortest time. Join us again when the air will be rent with cannon shot and carnage. Don't forget, my friends, for there is always confrontation. Voice over by Owen Staten. You can find me on the Time Between Times podcast or Spectre of the Sea. If you want to contact me, owenstaten at aol.com. Jochenbauer.